Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Maybe you're struggling with some whys. Questions that God hasn't answered or you had these expectations and it, well, it didn't fit into your box. How do you respond to that? Well, Jesus shows us an incredible principle. We too must go back to the truths of scripture and realize, number one, that God's ways are not our ways. God sees the overall picture of our lives and God always knows best. We all struggle with disappointment at times because of unfulfilled expectations. We had expected one thing and we got another. The way God worked didn't fit into our expectations of Him, and now we have questions. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that God's ways are not always our ways, but they are always best. Like a loving Father, He knows exactly what we need and when. He challenges us to go back to the scriptures and realize that God's ways may be different than ours, but God sees what we can't see, the overall picture of our lives, and His ways are always best. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Opportunity Brings Accountability. Turn in the Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. There's a word that we quite often use, and it's called expectation. It's to look forward to the probable occurrence. What do you expect? This morning, some of you have expected it. Well, there's a circumstance in your life and you expected God to do this. When you shared the gospel this last week with that person that you've been praying for, what did you expect God to do? Well, there's a principle in the word of God that goes along with our title this morning. Our title is Opportunity Brings Accountability. You need to understand this principle. Notice what it says in Luke 12, 48. Much is required from those to whom much is given. And much more is required from those to whom much more is given. You see, this fundamental principle simply means this. You've been given a talent. You've been given a gift. Every single Christian has one, at least one, if not more, mixture you'll learn of a motivational gift by God. You've been gifted. You will stand before God, as will I, because of these talents that God's given us, these gifts. If I've been given, well, this public talent like I've been given, which is a gift of teaching, 
I'm going to be held responsible. Well, not for Billy Graham's incredible gift, but for mine. You, well, you live in America. We're going to be held way more responsible for our talents and gifts than the little teeny church in India because you and I have much more opportunity, wider range of influence. This is an incredible principle. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much more is given, God's going to judge you and me. So that simply reminds us that there are going to be, re, well, degrees of reward in heaven. As well as we'll see in our teaching today, degrees of punishment in hell. As we begin chapter 11 through 13, what you're going to see is, in Matthew is, well, ministry gets much more difficult for Jesus. People begin to come after him and after his ministry. Jesus knew as he headed to the cross it would get more difficult. He expected it, but the disciples didn't expect it. Even though Jesus taught and taught and taught and taught and taught, they didn't expect it. And you're going to see one of those disciples this morning that will shock us, who is a little confused about why things aren't going better for Jesus as he approaches the cross. We begin in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, after Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. What we learn here is, well, Jesus had these times of teaching of his 12 disciples. After he taught them, he says, okay, we're going to put this teaching into practice. We're going into the world. Here this morning, it's the same. Why are you here today? Well, you're here, Ephesians 4 tells us, to to be taught the Word of God, to understand the principles of God's Word. As you're taught those principles, well, it doesn't end here. It ends on the streets of this community. We take it to the streets. We have this responsibility. We're to build up the saints to do, well, the actual work of the ministry. That's where you come in, and that's where I come in. So Jesus says to his disciples, now we've been taught... Let's put it into practice. Verse 2. When John, this would be John the Baptist, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, look at this question. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect, notice the word, should we expect someone else? You see, John the Baptist had been given this incredible privilege, opportunity of being the forerunner of Jesus. He had been responsible in earlier days, and he served God with incredible excellence and boldness. But this boldness of the truth, well, it got John the Baptist in trouble. You remember what happened? Well, we'll go into detail when we get in a couple more chapters. But basically, John came against Herod and he said, you can't marry your brother's wife. And because of that, John the Baptist got thrown into prison. Now, what kind of man was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist had lived his life as a forerunner of Christ in the wilderness, in the deserts. And he had been there with uh, all kinds of stuff. You remember, like like uh, uh, he ate locusts. He dipped him in honey. He wore kind of camel skin. So he was, you talk about, I mean, he read Outdoor Magazine. He's the writer of Outdoor Magazine. Where is he now? He's in a dungeon. 
He's in a black hole. No windows. He's been there for months. What happened? Well, John does like all of us do. He got discouraged. Ever get discouraged? He looked at his circumstance and he starts with a question. Well, you know the question. Why? What am I doing here? And the reason he got discouraged was because he had expectations. You know what the expectations were? He expected Jesus, who was setting up his kingdom, to get the political environment cleaned out, to get the Romans out, to get the Jews who were just, many of them just tied up politically and corrupted, get them all cleaned out. He expected Jesus to come and set up his kingdom and, and bring peace to this place. He expected that to happen. But it hadn't happened. There was one more expectation John the Baptist had. You can imagine what it would be. If John thought that Jesus was going to clean the place up and set his kingdom in place, I mean, he's a kingpin. He's the guy that announced Jesus. What is John the Baptist expecting Jesus to do about his situation in, in prison? What do you think? What do you think? He's thinking, where are you? I should be free by now. I'm still in this... In this dark hole, there's no windows. And he became incredibly discouraged. Well, you and I have become discouraged. We have these expectations. Sometimes they're unrealistic. Those of you that got married, you had expectations. By the end of your wedding night, some of those changed. And definitely during the next week they changed, didn't they? You wondered, who is this person you're sleeping next to? Very different than the one you dated all those months. Some of you here this morning and you have expectations. You expected God to save your marriage, but didn't happen. You see, your spouse wasn't interested, number one, in God, or number two, in saving the marriage. Very often in a in a situation that counseling the pastors here, when people come in and we don't really know them, one of the questions I ask both couples, I ask them this question. Will you do whatever God wants you to do to save your marriage? You see, if one says absolutely yes and the other one says absolutely no, here's what I tell them. Well, I can't help you because it takes two. Now, God can change that person's heart, and that's what I pray for. But counseling at that point is a waste of time. You see, you have to want to change. And sometimes we have this expectation that God's going to come and change our spouse's will. Well, he won't unless they want him to. Some of you are here today, and you have an expectation. Maybe you're a student, and you expected to ace that exam. But you never studied. Guess what? Your expectations never met it. You didn't do your part. All of us here have been healed by God. We know he miraculously heals, supernaturally heals, but you have a loved one and you absolutely knew God was going to heal them. You expected it in this way. And like John the Baptist, it didn't, it didn't happen that way. First thing to write this morning is this. We all get discouraged sometimes. Because of unrealistic 
expectations. You see, John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to say to Jesus, Hey, I expect you to do to this, and I'm still here in jail. Are you the one the prophets promised? Or should I be looking for a different Messiah? Did I get it wrong? Amazing that John the Baptist would ask that. He had a lapse of faith. But you know, many, many times, even after Jesus went to the cross, his disciples didn't get it. They also had unrealistic expectations. Do you remember that day? Jesus came. He was resurrected on that Easter morning. And he met two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were going home. They thought it was all over. They were downcast. And Jesus, not telling them who he is, came up alongside them. And he said to them on the road to Emmaus, uh, what's your problem? And they began to share. And one of the words was this. We had hoped the Messiah would do this which was back to that setting up the kingdom. But he was crucified. He's dead. It's over. So, having unrealistic expectations about God is, from his disciples, well, it's not unusual. You and I have them. What is Jesus going to do with that? I mean, what is he going to do with his forerunner, who boldly proclaimed, this is the Messiah, I can't even untie his shoes. He's coming, he's the one. And now John goes, are you the one? What's Jesus going to do with it? How's he going to handle that lapse of faith? Well, we see that in verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy, well, they're cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. What was Jesus doing? Jesus responded to John the Baptist the only way that ever brought proof. He responded with the truth of the Old Testament, the Bible. You see, in the Old Testament, there were all these predictions about what the Messiah would do when he came, written hundreds and sometimes thousands of years before. John the Baptist knew Isaiah. Of course, Isaiah wasn't, he couldn't do Isaiah. In fact, John the Baptist wouldn't have had it. It would have been scrolls. So Jesus really went back, and in one of the scrolls, Isaiah 61, it says this, you see it. This is what predicted what the Messiah would be doing. Well, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. So Jesus said, go back and tell John the Baptist what I'm doing. I'm doing what Isaiah said. Exactly that's what I'm doing. Obviously, I'm the Messiah. And then he says something very interesting before he sends him back. Look at verse 6. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So Jesus gives this gentle warning to John the Baptist and his disciples, but to you and me as well. What's Jesus saying? He says, well, I know everyone's faith is going to falter from time to time. Everyone sometimes has questions and struggles with the whys of life. Maybe you're struggling with some whys. Questions that God hasn't answered or you had these expectations and it, well, it didn't fit into your box. How do you respond to that? Well, Jesus shows us an incredible principle. We too must go back to the truths of scripture and realize, number one, that God's ways are not our ways. 
God sees the overall picture of our lives, and God always knows best. You see, the more we study the Bible, the better our understanding of God and His ways, and the less unrealistic expectations we will have. Did you get it? What did Jesus do? He said, John had a question. Are you the one? Jesus said, I'm going back to the proof of the Bible. And see, the more we go back to the Bible, that's why we study the Bible here. So as you study the Bible and know the character of God, you won't have unrealistic expectations of God. Well, we all will to some degree, but we'll come back and know that God's ways are not our ways. He always knows best. Well, the decision I'm looking for God to do in my life right here isn't happening. But see, God's waiting because the decisions and things he's going to bring in my life is going to have relevance to three years from now. And I don't even know I'm going to be here three years from now. Plus, in heaven. See, see, when God looks, he isn't just looking at this little snapshot. of He has a whole life in view. Joseph one day was in prison. Potiphar's wife tried to get him to go to bed. He didn't. The next thing he ends up, he's in prison. For sure he's got to say, God, what's the deal? I did the right thing and I'm in prison? John the Baptist did the right thing and he's in prison. But see, the snapshot of that little prison isn't what God's about. Where do you and I hear unrealistic things about God? We hear them because we have people that teach unbalanced things of God. Turn on your TV and you won't go far. And Christian TV and oh, you'll hear it. God wants you to have four beamers. Sick? You're sick? Oh, God will never ask you to ever be sick. He'll never allow that. If you have sickness and there's sin in your life. And God wants, well, he wants everything for you. I was watching something the other night. A guy says, you just send this C check in. You send it in and your family's going to get saved. Your life's going to be pure. Everything that you've ever desired, the wildest imagination of your heart, God's going to give you. I mean, everything's going to be perfect. Man, I got my checkbook in and sent it right in. No, I didn't. Why? That's unrealistic. Does God heal everybody? Well, ultimately... You say, well, Pastor Mark, he healed Lazarus. He raised him from the dead. Yes, he did. Did Lazarus die again? Yes, he did. Do I believe in healing? Absolutely. What happens if God doesn't heal the way I think? I leave it to God. Because he knows all things best. You see, you and I will never figure God out. So the more I know the word of God, the more I know the character of God, and the less I fall for this... Well, whatever the latest trend will come, you name it, it'll come. Some unbalanced thing. And you know what happens? Let's say this. Let me give you an illustration. This positive confession jazz started. By the way, they're Christians. They're going to be in heaven with us. It's just a little unbalanced. Sometimes we can learn from it, and I'll show you that in a second. I remember in my, in my dad's church way back in the 50s, I guess, maybe it was the 60s, a little boy, 12 years old, died. Well, these people had begun listening to this stuff, and they went to the hospital. They asked permission to go to the morgue. And they went to the morgue and prayed that God would raise this little 12-year-old from the dead. Well, it didn't happen. They went to the parents and said, the reason it doesn't happen, because you don't have enough faith. Now I want to tell you, that's a disaster. And you know what happens when you have those kind of things? Many people never return to the church again. Who do they blame? Well, not the people whose doctrine screwed up. They blame 
God. So don't have these unrealistic expectations of God. Now, when things aren't going right, what can I expect God to do? What do I know about the character of God? Take a look at these scriptures. We'll go through them very quickly. I know this is true because it's written in the word of God. It's balanced. I know that Jeremiah 29 says, I have the plans for you. Notice the plans that are prosper you, give you hope and a future. God isn't against you. He's for you. But sometimes he uses these things that don't get solved to grow me and to mature me and to make me more like him. There's no other way. I also know in Romans 8.28, when I look back on my life now, Romans 8.28, basically there's Balmer's translation. When you get to the end, everything that God's allowed in your life that you didn't screw up, but if I go right out now and have an affair or steal or rob a bank, I mean, God is in control of that. I blew that. And is good stuff going to happen to me? No. But sometimes bad stuff happens to me because God allows it. But you know what? When I finish life and I look back over my life, it was all good. It worked out for the better. By the way, did Jesus, can Jesus understand this verse? Did bad things happen to Jesus? Hello, we have a cross. But if you look back on it, it ended up right. Now, in expectation, I don't want you to expect things too low. Because sometimes we don't, we don't expect God to do anything then. Well, Pastor Mike, you're saying expectations, I've got to be very careful. Yeah, you do, but here's what you can expect. Look at this next verse. Ephesians 3.20, you know it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or expect, because God lives in us. So I know that I can limit what God wants to do. And that's kind of where the faith thing comes. That's where the prosperity thing comes. And I think there's some truth to that, but you have to certainly balance it. You see, God wants to prosper me, not for me, but to advance the kingdom of God. Can you imagine me taking this, this prosperity gospel that we hear that God wants you rich and have money and four cars in your car and your garage? Can you imagine me? Remember the little village church I was at in India? Can you imagine me preaching that stuff there? Those people are going to go, say what? I'd like a little meat twice this week. That's as big as they can get. Understand, we live in a funky world. So here's what I want you to write down this morning. Trust God to do the right thing. By the way, he always does. You trust him to do the right thing and then expect, expect good stuff. That his overall plans will always exceed your expectations. I look back at my life, I cannot believe what God's done. Through the pharmacy years, through bringing me my wife and our kids and our grandkids and just all the stuff. He said, well, Pastor Mike, look at some of the stuff that happened. You open heart surgery. And I, yeah, it's okay. I expected God to do something a little different. You know, when the elders prayed for me in the night before I had my open heart surgery, I expected to just get out of that bed and go. Next morning, I was on the table. <laughs> It's hard not to have expectations at times. We expect things, and sometimes it seems that God doesn't come through the way that we would like. But today, Pastor Mark challenged us to have reasonable expectations, to stop listening to false teachers that make unbiblical promises. We should always remember to trust God because His ways, though sometimes hard to understand, are always good. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. How do you respond to life circumstances? Sometimes the way we respond can reveal how much faith we have in God and His plans for us. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge us to remember that life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Are you armed with a good attitude, with faith, or do you tend to be negative and critical? To live right, we must think rightly about the Christian life. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.